Chapter 11, we continue the story of Yechezkel's vision, when he's brought to the temple and what he witnesses, what he sees. At the end of chapter 10, actually, it's very striking, the chariot, the divine chariot, is coming back to the temple, and the presence of God, we are told, leaves the Kruvim, it goes to the platform of the house. Later on, towards the end of chapter 10, we're told that the glory of God, which is God's presence, Kavod Hashem, in verse number 18, Then the presence of God left the platform of the house and stopped above the Kruvim. And the Kruvim lifted their wings and rise from the earth. I see them rising from the earth. The wheels beside them as they departed. And the glory of God, they stopped at the entrance of the eastern gate of the house of God with the presence of God of Israel above them. And then Yechesko makes the comment, and these Kruvim, this vision, is the same vision that I saw in the beginning of the book. This is the vision that I saw in the beginning of the book. Now what's very interesting over here is that the text, the book of Yechesko, is describing how God is leaving the temple together with the Kruvim. God and the Kruvim are leaving the temple. And the significance of this, this idea, and the power of it, is that in the book of Yechezkel, unlike, say, the book of Yirmiyahu, in Jeremiah, there's an enormous focus on the destruction of the temple. One of the prophecies we remember in Yirmiyahu, he goes, it's, he goes to the temple, he often prophesies from the temple. He goes to the temple and he tells the people, you think the temple can never be destroyed, you thought that Shiloh would not be destroyed. Shiloh was destroyed. And the same way Shiloh was destroyed, the great center, the first temple, the great temple of Shiloh, so too this temple will be destroyed. Don't think it can't happen. It can happen and it will happen. And when Yirmiyahu says this, and that story is recorded twice in the book of Yirmiyahu, and the second time he says it, that's when many people actually want to assassinate Yirmiyahu. That's when his life is really in danger. So the idea of the destruction of the temple is very, very central in the book of Yirmiyahu. In the book of Yechezkel, it's much less so. And the reason for that, I believe, is that, as we see in these chapters, from Yechezkel's perspective, the temple is destroyed well before it's actually physically destroyed. The point of these chapters is that the temple ceases to be a temple. The glory of God is departing from the temple. And the vision that we encounter in the very beginning of the book, the chariot vision, and we have to remember that the very Kruvim themselves, the cherubs, fundamentally function as a kind of divine chariot. That's true in other texts of the ancient Near East, and it's true in the Bible as well. So in point of fact, God has already departed from the temple before the temple is actually destroyed. That's what Yechezkel is saying over here. The actual physical destruction of the temple is very secondary. The presence of God is what is central in the book of Yechezkel, and the presence of God is already departing from the temple. It leaves the Kruvim, it goes to the platform, it leaves, it moves to the platform elsewhere. So God has already departed from the temple. And this is important for us 
in the continuation in chapter 11. Chapter 11, once again, of course, Yechezkel is being uh, transported and brought to the, this time to the Eastern Gate in the beginning of chapter 11, where he is to witness something else. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But as he's witnessing and seeing people inside the temple, in chapter 11, in verse number 13, One of the people, in, he sees different people in the temple, a group of people in the temple, and uh, amongst them is from the offices of the people. His name is first recorded in verse number one, the first verse of the, of the chapter, and he dies. And when Yechezko sees this, he cries out with a loud cry, O Lord, do you plan, plan to totally obliterate the remnant of Israel? The remnant of Israel, because remember, the northern kingdom has already been, has already been exiled. And now we have God's response in verse number 14, in verse 14, chapter 11, Ben Adam, so God says to Yechezkel, God says, I will save your brethren, your brethren, the men of your kindred, all that, all those people, all that very house of Israel to whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem say, keep far from the Lord. The land has been given to us as a heritage. In other words, the response to the question, O Lord, do you plan to destroy all of Israel, the remnant of Israel? And God's response seems to be, Yechesku, you have it wrong. You're taking the position of those that dwell in Jerusalem. They think that the Jews who are in exile essentially have no role. They think only the ones that live in the land, they're the ones who are significant. And the point of the prophecy is that that's not the case. Quite the opposite. The ones who are already exiled, they're the central ones. And that's in verse number 15, Lachain and Mar say the following, in the name of God, Kormar Hashem Elokim, Kirchatim Bagoyim, Chiafitzotim Biaratzot, to those people that I have already sent into exile and scattered them amongst the nations, for very important. I will be for them mikdash ma'at, a diminished sanctity in the countries where they have gone. In other words, what God is saying is, it may be true that the temple is in Jerusalem, but I can have many temples. I can have many sacred spaces. Tell the people, tell the ones with whom you dwell, because Yechezkel, after all, is a prophet in exile, and primarily for the exile. He's being transported from exile to Jerusalem. Tell your people, tell your brethren, tell the ones in Babel, tell those people that I am with them. I plan to restore them, and I am for them a mikdash ma'at, a small temple. We refer to synagogues, as Mikdash Ma'at, as miniature temples. And that's precisely the point over here. In the book of Yechezkel, God is capable of constructing a temple any place. That's the whole point of the vision, of the temple that moves from place to place, of the Kruvim, 
In the temple, in the Mishkan, in the Mikdash, the Kruvim hover above the Ark. But the Kruvim can also leave from atop the Ark. The Kruvim can travel in God's chariot, and the chariot can be in any place. So the people in Jerusalem that think that God is with them, that those who have been exiled have no place. So the message is quite the opposite. The ones in exile perhaps have the primary place, and the ones who think that they are primary because they're in Jerusalem, in the place of the temple, that's not the case. And furthermore, the very temple that you think is so significant has in effect ceased to be a temple because God has departed from the temple. That's the message, the key message of chapter 11. And now towards the end, in chapter 11, there is a message of restoration and reconciliation. So these verses, beginning in verse 17, is a prophecy of restoration and a very interesting prophecy of restoration. I will gather them up. I will bring them back to the land. They will remove all the idolatry and the abominations from their midst. And in verse number 19, this is an important verse in Yechezkel, and it's repeated later on. I will give them a different heart. I will give them one heart, singular heart perhaps, one heart. And I will remove the heart of stone from amidst, from amongst them and give them a heart, a heart of flesh. I will, says God, transform them. It's interesting that sometimes transformation begins with the person. Sometimes we call upon God to take the first step. In the book of Yechezko, it's fair to say, there's a tremendous focus on God's role in transforming the people. I will give them a different heart. Why? In order that, In order that they obey my ordinances and my statutes, my chukim and my mishpatim. Now, chukim and mishpatim, in b'chukotai te'lechu, mishpatai ta'asu, of course, is a verse from chapter 26 of Vayikra, and it shouldn't surprise us that in the book of Yechezkel, we find many, many verses which recall for us the book of Vayikra, the book of the priests. Because at its core, the book of Yechezkel is about the temple, is about God's presence, not a physical temple, but the idea of God's presence which is at the center of the book of Yechezkel. At the end of chapter 11, these Kruvim, then the Kruvim, the Ofanim and the Kruvim and God above them, they all depart. So God leaves the temple together with God's Kruvim, the Kruvim, the chariot. They all rise up from the temple area and the glory of God rises up with them. And they dwell Mikedem, east of the city. Of course, the reader is reminded that going eastward, east of Eden, 
East means in the book of Genesis, leaving the sacred space. God has already departed from the sacred space. The temple is forlorn before it's actually destroyed.